Cherish your youth, folks. That's what any NFL running back will tell you. It can get pretty ugly pretty quick for running backs over 30. But here we are with at least two 30-somethings in our top 20. Can the OGs of fantasy challenge an extremely versatile, extremely young crop of running backs at the top of our board? Is there anyone that can challenge David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell for the top spot? We're about to answer all that and more. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Welcome to Run Up the Score, everybody. My name is Donald Wagonblast. Along with me for this wild ride through the running back rankings of fantasy football for the 2017-2018 season is my brother, Scott Wagonblast. Right on. And our friend, Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. How are we feeling about running backs this year? Just general overall, guys. Well, of course, we're all smitten by the, uh, the big three. And last year, it seems we were all smitten by the big three wide receivers, so I'm not without my skepticism. But yeah, I like um, I like some guys kind of in the in the middle and back end of the of the top ten as well that I think could maybe not surpass them, but you know come close to maybe matching their their output. So um, I'm, I'm interested. I, I love the running backs. Got to get them while they're hot. Yes, and. If you don't have the first pick, you're not going to get this guy while he's hot. Our number one running back for the year is David Johnson. And he is, I think, oh so hot. Yeah, he's so hot right now. He's a hot little potato. Yeah, he um he not played really well last one. year. I actually have, have Le'Veon number one. but Well, uh, that still makes him our consensus. Right, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Not everyone, but um, you know, you're not going to get any argument from me when you say I like David Johnson more because, I mean... Pro Football Focus had him as the best wide receiver last year. Yeah, and one of his goals is to uh, hit a thousand yards receiving and rushing this year. You know, they want him to touch the ball like an insane number of times, maybe around thirty times a game. So you got to believe that with the ball in his hands that many times, yep. he's going to be able to make stuff happen. Every single thing you hear about David Johnson over this offseason has just been like, okay, like he's going to eat this. Yeah, year. yeah, um, and he finished the season on a on a, a sour note. He got hurt, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't too bad though. No, like, he I was think he literally even in that game. No, no, no. He came out. Oh, he did. As, almost as a precautionary measure. Um, well, he said yeah, it was, it was week seventeen. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't uh, risk the future on week right. seventeen in a negligible year for the franchise. But uh, he's fully healthy. He's ready to go. As far as I know, I think he was lifting weights shortly thereafter. Thousand uh, rushing and thousand receiving sounds very uh, Tomlinson. Esque, yes, which will get anybody excited. I'm having flashbacks already. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of guy coming into the year healthy, our number two running back, who Scott has as his number one running back, it's the first year he's ever in the NFL been not coming off of an injury or not starting the season off with a suspension. Le'Veon Bell. Well, isn't he? He's coming off some semblance of an injury, but it's oh, he had not, groin surgery. Yeah, but it was. But well, he's there currently. But he's there. Yeah, and I mean he's there. He's competing with the guys. He's getting the whole uh, locker room hyped up, I'm sure. He hasn't been there early and often in recent memory, but um, a full season under his belt, Scott's right. I mean, he could easily be the number one running back. So basically the reason why – I'll explain the reason why I thought that I think he's going to be the number one back is um, I kind of really fell in love with his running style last year, and I think it was much – 
maybe not a lot different, but I think that he made a turn for the better last year where he was a patient runner or like in his career, but now he is so patient and you know, his vision I think got so much better. And when you bring that in to camp as opposed to, you know, week three, week four, when he, like Don said, typically comes into the season, I think that they're their blocking schemes and a lot of things are going to utilize how good he is at reading those types of plays. And I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like we like we've said to each other, he was getting 30 carries a game last year in some games. And if he plays a whole season and you don't think that he's going to have 2000 total yards, then I don't know who you watched last year. It could definitely happen when yeah. he when he runs. He reminds me of water just surging for a crack. Yeah, it kind of it, it can literally go horizontal and then come up, and it's it's wild. Yeah, he's uh, he might be the, like the leader of a, of a, like a revolution in terms of like running style. I believe which that he is is that definitely the kind of guy you want on your team. You it's know, just exciting to watch him play. And it's kind of cool um, what he said about himself last year because they asked him about his running style, and he actually compared himself to Stephen Curry and the way that he. Is kind of changing the mold of how you look at an NBA player with his ability to extend the floor and shoot from far away. Le'Veon is kind of doing the same thing with his running style, with his patience, showing that there's a different way than just put your shoulder down and run the guy over to be an effective runner. I think that a lot of teams aren't going to be used to that, especially with how quick and agile he is in those mesh point, I'll call it, where he might have to beat one guy to really slip through the cracks. And I think that that's going to lead to games where teams just, they can't stop it at all. And he goes absolutely wild. Yeah. Not to mention that he's a talented receiver in his own regard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So our number three running back, he burst onto the scene. He was a consensus first round pick last year. Ezekiel Elliott actually lived up to the hype. Um, Kept us entertained all offseason. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> he certainly gave the... Uh, the talking heads on major sports networks, something to complain about over the off season when there was nothing going on. Um, so I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott is going to be raring to go. You know, he's hopefully he uses all this criticism he's receiving to kind of put that chip on his shoulder and run even harder than he did in his rookie year. And he ran extremely well in his rookie year. And I'm really excited to see how he ends up looking. And the key with Ezekiel Elliott He's still got that Cowboys offensive line behind him. And if he's got that, he can do a lot of damage. They have changed a couple pieces in the line. Um, so it's not as formidable as last year. One guy is changing a position. They lost a another. But my main concern is, and if you listen to the last episode, I totally believe in uh, Dak Prescott and everything. But they're performance last year was at such a high level and the game scripts were so favorable to Ezekiel Elliott that I'm just not sure you're going to get that exact perfect storm of events where, where they just have the lead every game, every game. And he's the, the only show in town. So we'll see. I mean, I I think he's a great pick. I number three for me as well. Um, but if I was doing an overall draft, uh, I would take, Antonio Brown before him in some formats, I think. And those formats, obviously, leaning PPR, more towards, yeah. I mean, he gets so many Which receptions. I heard that, you know, the rumblings around camp are that they want to use they Zeke wanna... more in the passing game and involve him more, which is great. And I think that will lead to his overall value, obviously, going up. But, I mean, he was so good last year. And one of the things I like about him is he's got that breakaway speed where – 
if he's, you know, if a defender's five, 10 yards away, there's no point in even chasing him. He is gone. So that hits that, you know, that hits those big plays. I know I'm in a league that, you know, you get rewarded for bonus, bonus. If there's a touchdown over 40 yards, I get a bonus for it. So like maybe Ezekiel Elliott is kind of a guy that like, I would maybe in that league actually take ahead of Antonio Brown because he might have more of a 40 yard touchdown type of potential, but with the production still being there. Sure. If only he could just rock the half shirt Jersey. Yeah. Let, every, let, and I'd pick him maybe first. Let him show his belly button. He wants to midriff revealing tops are in. I mean, they just, they made a huge comeback. They got a, I, I get it. The romper people got to contact him. I think he, uh, I think he might suit one. Well, well, I don't think you can do a romper that has a cutoff midriff though. Unless. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you're if you're rocking midriff, you're comfortable enough in the romper. Is my point. Let's move okay. on. Yeah. Fashion <laughs> critiques aside, number four is Lashawn McCoy, and this is a guy who he was great in Philly, and it took maybe a year of battling with injuries of Rex Ryan figuring out how he wants to coach the Bills and figuring out what they're going to do with Tyrod, but. Last year, LaShawn McCoy was off to the races. He was getting, seemed like every week he was getting 100 total yards. Seems like every week he was breaking a long run, possibly for a touchdown. He's involved in the passing game. I mean, he's in the ideal situation. He's the number one guy. And the biggest thing about LaShawn McCoy for me this year is that Mike Gillisley's not there. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And that takes away... Uh, a lot of touchdown, you know, that adds a lot of, I shouldn't say takes away, it adds a lot of touchdown opportunity for McCoy that he was maybe subbed out to stay fresh for longer in the game last year. Maybe he's not this year because they don't have a guy as reliable as Gillisley. And anytime a great player loses a solid backup, you know, we all immediately think, well, they're just going to keep the great player in and he'll continue to eat. And um, I expect a lot of tutties for LeSean McCoy this year. Oh, yeah. Even uh, dating back to his Eagles days, he was getting vultured on the goal line. Yeah. You know? so By wi- Darren Sproles. Sometimes. <laughs> and then I remember uh, Pope was his name. Polk. Oh, Chris Polk. Polk. Chris yeah. Polk. I was <laughs> confusing him with the man upstairs in the Vatican. <laughs> um, yeah, Pope was on the Seahawks last year. Right. Yeah, my bad. Anyway, he was getting vultured, you know, the last few years. And I think that his vulturing is going to taper off a little bit this year. And when you get those extra red zone chances, you get those extra touchdowns like he will. That's worth its weight in gold. Yep. There is no vulture in San Diego. And therefore, our number five running back, San Diego. There's no vulture in San Diego because there's no team. No there. team. That's right. There's no vulture in the soccer stadium where the Chargers will be playing this year. And that is because Danny Woodhead, who was injured last year, is now on the Ravens. And therefore, like I said, Melvin Gordon is our is our fifth-ranked running back. I was a Melvin Gordon shareholder last year. And he got a lot of volume throughout the entire season. And he's produced a lot of fantasy points. In the early part of the year, it was only because they were getting to the two and he was just able to to fall into the end zone. But little by little, throughout the course of the regular season, he really started to play a lot better. His yards per carry went up. His catches went up. He really became a force for that offense when they desperately needed one. And they're going to need him again because the one thing that we've learned is that there are, there might be games where Philip Rivers goes nuclear 
and just throws three picks in a quarter and they give away a lead. So if they have Melvin Gordon, they feel like they can rely on him and they definitely can because his fumbles were down, his touchdowns were up, his catches were up, and his yards per carry were up for last year. I think this is just a great situation. It's the situation that you want your fantasy running back to be in because there is no one who is going to take away from Melvin Gordon's touches at the goal line in Los Angeles. It's the Melgo show for sure. And like you said, he had the bib on last year. He was eating all year. And no Woodhead means that it's not coming off anytime soon. So I think you could pick him and enjoy just RB1 status, period, point blank. I think we need to get Zeke in a bib also now that I'm in this fashion mindset. <laughs> the eating, yeah. the, yeah, that's you know true. About? That's the a good taunt. point. <laughs> oh Zeke, tell your people, contact my people. <laughs> You'll be his agent in no time. We're two episodes in and Tom already is doing his solo project clothing line. <laughs> I can't believe it. Number six is Devontae Freeman in our running back rankings. This is a guy who everybody was worried about Tevin Coleman, everybody was trying to say, you know, he's going to take away from Devontae Freeman's carries. And what Atlanta proved is that there is a way that Atlanta can keep both of these studs fed. Kyle Shanahan's gone, but you got to think that the running game is not going to suffer because they know how much the running game helped Matt Ryan out. Scott, you talked about that in our quarterback rankings. Make sure you go listen to those if you haven't yet. And I just think that Devontae Freeman, his role is is there. He's going to be there. He runs harder than anyone in the league. He runs angry. He said he wants to run angrier this yeah, offseason. That's like, always the buzzword. With he him. Yeah. just he, he can produce. And he was not just this one-year wonder that he became last year when he was throwing up 15 touchdowns. So I, I'm all in on Devontae Freeman. I think he's going to have another great year. I personally have him above Melvin Gordon. Um, I just think he's a, a next-level talent above Melvin Gordon. You know, Melvin Gordon had that season two two years ago with one touch – or zero touchdowns, right? Zero, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know where I got that one from because I was thinking about it the whole time you said his touchdowns went up. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Hashtag stats. <laughs> they went up all right. But I just think if anyone in the backfield of um, Atlanta was going to suffer, it's never going to be him. His plate is full. Yes. And Tevin Coleman is a great compliment. And they're not even just a thunder and lightning where one's a bruiser, one's a receiver. It's they both can do either. And I think Devonta Freeman literally may have the edge in both. I think he's the better running back. And I think Atlanta knows that. And uh, one thing that I found very interesting, like you guys said, he runs so angrily. Um, I don't know if you guys saw there was an article that came out that he was actually upset the Falcons had lost the Super Bowl because he said, if I stayed in the game, not only would we not have lost, but I would have won the Super Bowl MVP. So not only does he have that, you know, that anger kind of in him, he's got that chip on his shoulder now too, that, that he actually feels a little slighted from last year. And when I read that article, I was like, okay, Devontae Freeman, it, he, yep, he's ready for this season. I've got a video. I'll put it up on the Twitter account at RutzFF where, um, they're asking him they're asking him about his experience on Twitter and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll post anything." And all I get is 28 to 3, 28 yeah. to 3, L L L L. Poor guy. Yeah. Well, you know, he wasn't the one calling the plays. Yeah. And listen, the thing is for for a guy like that who 
you know, like we said, plays with that anger and that chip on his shoulder. He's he sees forgetting. those tweets and he's not forgetting that. Exactly. Nope. He's he's pushing even harder and you know, he's he's said that and I think that not only will he talk to talk, but he'll walk the walk when you see it this year. Moving on to number seven, I think one of the weirdest NFL situations that I've seen in my life was the one year experiment for DeMarco Murray with the Eagles because he was so bad. <laughs> And then he went to the Titans last year, and he was right back to what he was in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Which was also really good. Which was awesome. Yeah. So, he was great. He got a lot of work. He got pass game work. I know the worry is that Derrick Henry is there. But even if DeMarco Murray only gets, you know, 225 carries to Henry's 200, there's still a lot of production to be there. The Titans offensive line was great last year. You got to think that they're going to keep that together and try to improve on it this year. So, yeah, I do still think Demarco Murray holds running back one value. They have what he gave them last year. They have kept the line together. The lowest ranked uh, position player on the line is 14th in their position out of roughly 60. So that's the lowest. Everyone else is top 10. So and that's, like three were like top five. I yeah, think. so that's like a really formidable, not like, that is a really formidable group of guys. They played together a lot already. So I could expect big things from the running backs out in Tennessee. If you believe in the Titans at all, you have to believe in DeMarco Murray. And I think we all do. Yeah, and not to cut you off, of but course not. there's no prayer for the receiving game and the passing game if you can't establish the running game that's right which is why they were so successful in the red zone why they're so so why we think they'll be so successful this year so we know that they can establish that running game so we think the sky's the limit with that gang of people and one of uh the things we talked about in the last one was that Mariota has so many great red zone receivers DeMarco Murray is actually a very good red zone receiver and showed it last year. So he has a lot of value. There was there were times last year where he was catching seven passes, eight passes, and maybe Henry takes more carries away. But I don't think that Murray is going to lose that receiving work because he's been so proven with it his whole career. Yeah, they say um, his footwork is head and shoulders above Henry. Mm-hmm. There you go. Number eight, JJ. I don't think anybody saw this coming last year uh he was in a very crowded backfield that included arian foster but by week six or so jhi had that backfield to himself and he did whatever he wanted with it and what he did was he rumbled we talk about an angry runner nobody was running angrier than jhi what was it two straight games he had 200 yards rushing and he had a he added a third he added a in the third. season it was this, a- was this was a great breakout and I don't see why it can't continue because the Dolphins have kind of proven that they want a Jai's running to be the focal point of the offense, not a third-year quarterback convert in Ryan Tannehill chucking bombs and dinking and dunking with Jarvis Landry. Yeah, most of the receivers on the team, um, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, and uh, Kenny Stills, if you watched their stats closely last year, they kind of divulged into the same caliber player Jarvis Landry kind of lost that PPR flair everyone was performing kind of at the same level and it was really because you saw the offense shift into Jai. it's the same way that you saw the the Cardinals offense shift around David Johnson right I don't think he's the exact same caliber player by any stretch of the imagination but I think the team and the organization is working with what they have and kind of using that model 
Right. So I had Jai ranked higher than you guys. I mean, not terribly. You had him at seven and Tom and I had him at eight. Right. And I actually had moved him up on my own personal rankings up to six. And um, the reason I believe that is from what I've heard, reports from Coach Gase called him our bell cow back, our third down back, you know, our best pass catcher. Like he's he's literally said that everything that involves the running back position, Jay Ajay is our best at. And he said that he has taken a quarterback's approach to learning the offense this year, which I think will lead to him really understanding how he can be most effective. You combine that with Miami, who also has a very good offensive line and just big maulers on their offensive line. I think Jay you know, he can really have an amazing season this year. Our next running back was second in the league in rushing. So therefore it was not. David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, Melvin Gordon, Devontae Freeman, DeMarco Murray, or J.J. It's Jordan Howard, a rookie, right behind Ezekiel Elliott. We've got him at nine. This is a guy who I think a lot of people are hoping is going to be the savior of Chicago. Quite frankly, I think Chicago is going to be terrible this year. I don't see him getting to that level again because there's it's, it's all going to be on him now. He does great as a running back on a team that does poorly, which is strange yeah. because the teams that are winning, like I was saying with Zeke are generally the ones that the game script favors for running backs. So he's done a great job in getting involved in the passing game as well as um, rushing. He gets over a hundred yards from scrimmage 10 games in a row, I believe. And he had the most yards after contact by a rookie. So more than um, Kenneth Dixon, more than Ezekiel Elliott, the other guys that people are saying, oh, they're so evasive, they're so this, that, the other thing. He was up there in every single metric that you'd like to see I think one of the reasons why Howard isn't maybe – hasn't been as maybe accepted is because the Bears were so bad. And I think that they're going to be again. And I think that this is my RB1 that will – be dictated you know he may suffer the most from game script and i think that's why we don't have him all the way at the top i still think he's i think he's a great back i think he could do everything you need and i think he can do it all very well i just don't know if mike glennon and mitch trubisky are gonna be giving him the the opportunity that he can to succeed i think there's gonna be a lot of stacked boxes and um, you know, the Packers run D isn't terrible. The Vikings have a great defense, obviously. So he's going to play against some some tougher defenses. And um, I think great game script hurts, but doesn't kill him, especially if you're in a half PPR, full PPR league. Definitely. I think you see maybe maybe a little decline on the rushing yard side, but I think he's more in the pass game this year. At number 10, we have a guy who he was a big offseason splash. Lamar Miller landed with the Texans. Didn't quite perform at that elite RB1 level that some were expecting, but he was very serviceable. And I think this year, now that they kind of feel like they have their quarterback situation on firmer footing, I think they're going to be relying more on Lamar Miller, and I think they'll be able to use him a little bit more effectively. They certainly used him a lot, and uh, they used him so much, it seemed like, especially on the short week, like Thursday Night Football, it seemed like he was going down before he was getting tackled. He was getting tackled so much he was preserving himself. But he does like to take the lion's share of the work, and he was gaining yards. It wasn't like he was falling down in the backfield. He was diving forward. Right. You know, 
And uh, if you look at his you know yards per attempt and his yards, they're suitable. He has what it takes to be an RB1. The problem was is that that team just did not get in the red zone enough, and they did not get anywhere close enough for him to score a lot of touchdowns. He had to do it from so far out if he ever did it at all. And, you know, if, if that can change, he can astrally project. He could be right up there with the big guys. Yeah, and, and drafted as he was la- – or, like, not drafted, but ranked as everyone expected to be drafting him last year. I don't know. I, I personally uh, don't see him getting a big spike. I don't even know if he'll break double-digit touchdowns. If he does get to double-digit touchdowns, I think that's the threshold where he really makes that jump because he had such a complete statistical year last year minus the touchdowns. But to me personally, I, I, don't, I don't see it. If he had double digits, no doubt in my mind. But, you know, once again, that's, that's a big ask from what he did last year. That's right. Those of you who are excited about Jordan Howard this year, I'd like to show you Exhibit A of why you should temper those expectations. <laughs> Our number 11 running back is Todd Gurley. The Todd man. Whose sophomore season was nothing really to write home about. He was serviceable, but he certainly wasn't giving you that weekly advantage at the running back position that fantasy owners were hoping that they got when they drafted him. That's 100% right. He um, took a big step back last year from the year before and I personally as a fan I just really like Todd Gurley um I don't I I'm almost willing to kind of wash it and let it be a year where he came in with horrible quarterback play not a very good line and a coach that didn't really change the game plan that much to really you know this the coming into last year everyone said you need to stop Todd Gurley on the Rams well guess what the Rams didn't do anything to make Todd Gurley more effective than he was the year before I think you bring in a new coach he he hopefully has a new scheme that gets Todd Gurley more involved and gets him in that open space that we remember from you know him just pounding the rock against the Cardinals I remember just making moves and like he was doing 10 yards great against the, the tough teams yeah exactly which was his hallmark coming into the season last year hopefully you know the Rams rid of Jeff Fisher are a new streamlined uh, organization I think Todd Gurley has all the tools at his disposal and he actually had a sneaky high amount of receptions last year, mm-hmm. so he's good in PPR. It didn't it didn't seem like he would be coming in because right. in his rookie campaign he really wasn't involved that way. So probably kind of what the Cowboys intend to do with Zeke this year. He might have a sneaky number of receptions. Right. Nothing otherworldly, but right. totally serviceable. Um, I've got him ten. I'm kind of in on him. The thing is, is I don't know if I would be totally happy with him as my RB one. Like if I already had one and now I'm coming back in the draft, I'll take Todd Gurley, balance right. it out. He'd be a great RB two, a nice rock that I know is getting a lot of volume. Right. And if you know, and if you do end up with Todd Gurley as your number one, not necessarily a terrible concern as we'll go through some of the guys that we really like later on in our rankings that, you know, may even jump a lot higher than we might have them ranked now. So, you know, if you and, get him, it's not it's not any if you don't hit the panic button right away. You just focus and say, okay, now I really need to shore up my RB2 and make sure he's he's really going to be a high floor guy, but also a guy that can have a high ceiling as well. Of course. Coming in at number 12 is a new team for LeGarrette Blunt Again. The Eagles. The journeyman has now journeyed to Philadelphia. I 
like the move um but this is kind of one of those positions where you start to this is one of those points in our rankings where you kind of start to see there's a cliff that we've hit with value at the running back position because we don't know what Legarrette Blunt's going to give us this is really a potential ranking like this is like we we are ranking Legarrette Blunt based on his potential because the Eagles love to run it in the red zone they loved running it in the red zone last year Ryan Matthews, of all people, got a ton of carries. And LeGarrette Blunt had one of the higher conversion rates in carries inside the five to touchdowns. So it seems like on paper it'd be a great fit. But are they going to be able to use him effectively like the Patriots did? I don't know. So one of the biggest things that I've heard surrounding LeGarrette Blunt is how um, Coach Peterson and company intend to take the pressure off of Wentz more so than last year by featuring the running game. And when you add a guy like LeGarrette Blunt, who is just going to pound and pound, they also have a great offensive line too. The Eagles, very, very sneaky, but a very good offensive line, especially when running the ball. And those two things combined, coaching mindset and offensive line capability, put in front of LeGarrette Blunt and handed him opportunity. He's never shown you that he can't rise to that level whether he was on, you know, Tampa or uh, New England or, you know, wherever he's been. And I kind of see that coming. Yeah. And uh, he had 18 touchdowns last year. Really hard to ignore. So uh, the Eagles, Ryan Matthews, Don mentioned, was being used on the red zone or the goal line. And um, but you can't rely on him to be there. I don't even think he's going to be on the roster, to be honest. So it's right. really just going to be Legarrette Blunt, and then their other Legarrette Blunt and a bunch of guys that are shorter than five seven. Yeah, they're all about my size. And then, <laughs> um, but the other, the best one is the smallest one is Darren Sproles. And they yeah. they said last year, you know, we're going to use him on the goal line, and he he really didn't succeed there. So what did they do? They went out and got the best goal line back in the NFL. So to me, it just seemed. Like what they were doing was pretty transparent. It wasn't like they were trying to hide anything. Right. They're like, okay, we need goal line help. Boom. We. It got was kind of like what we talked about with Jameis, um, where they had didn't have anybody catch over a forty yard pass last year, so they went and got Sean Jackson. You see the same thing in Philadelphia at the running back position with Blunt. Totally agree. Yep. It's, I think Blunt and Sproles are going to be like the NFL's answer to when Glenn Big Baby Davis and Nate Robinson are on the same team. <laughs> Like, those two are just going to be perfect for each other. Yeah, is, is Sproles going to walk in on Blunt's shoulders when they warm up and oh, stuff? Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> Our next running back should probably just be on your running back rankings until you stop Listen, playing fantasy If you don't have him as a high-end RB2, then, like, where have you been the past decade? Yeah. yeah. Frank Gore. He's a bargain in the draft. Um, Every year. His ADP, even this year, is totally affordable. Like, if you're ranking him where we are – there's going to be a bunch of running backs off the board before him. So you can go out and fill up your wide receivers, come back and get this all-time RB2. Legendary fantasy football player. He is. There's really not that much to say about him. Because he's been so consistent for so long that, like, there's a certain point where you have to stop ignoring the fact that he should be old or he should be this or he should be that. Like we said in the quarterback rankings, the goal is to get points. And that's what Frank Gore does. Yeah, and he's making it happen with this pretty much atrocious offensive line, and he's been there. It's not like he's in a new system. It's like exactly what he's used to, exactly where he's been performing. They could have made it a little easier on him, but they didn't. They went and drafted a running back, 
but it shouldn't scare you because Marlon Mack is more of like a scat back, third down type. And uh, his backup is Robert Turbin, who has just been a backup for his mm-hmm. whole career. Nothing wrong with that, but I just don't think he's... He's you know, not getting the keys. No, he's not coming for Frank Gore unless Frank Gore... Frank's I drive. I think that, um, you know, much like how people discredit him in fantasy football, I think that a lot of people who maybe follow the Colts or were following the draft expected the Colts to discredit him too and say, oh, you know, why aren't they trading up to get McCaffrey or why aren't they trying to make a move? And they're like, listen, we got Frank Gore. We're not worried about running back right now. Yeah, no. I think we all wanted to see McCaffrey there a little bit. A piece of me, a large piece of me did. I do love Frank Gore, but I thought that would have been a great fit. Yeah. From a career of consistency to a guy who's actually given us two solid years of consistency, Isaiah Crowell, is a guy a on the Browns, is is ranked in our rank. What's going on? And but this guy is—he's earned it. You know, he was steady. He, he Duke Johnson was supposed to be their passing down back. Crowell had a bunch of catches last year. This is a guy, and I'm so—I feel so uncomfortable saying this, but. This is a guy you can count on? Yeah. The starting running back Absolutely. of the Browns? Absolutely. You know, it's uh it's it's crazy how fantasy can work out like this sometimes, but I think with Crowley, I mean, he just he just does the work. Well, he and uh lineman Joe Thomas have never mixed missed a game. So you can count on them to be available for you. That's his most important asset as mm-hmm. well. That's right. So if he's going to spearhead the offensive line and Isaiah Crowell is going to spearhead the backfield, I don't see anything wrong with it. They're trying their damnedest to improve everything about the organization. And it is kind of a – I don't want to say this is a show-me year, but like these next few years are going to be really important for like the culture change of the Browns. Yeah, this is, a, this is an extend-me year yeah. for Isaiah Crowell. And he already has the blessing of Hugh Jackson, so I think that um, I think that he's going to step in and – produce much in the fashion that he did last year hopefully he can get a little bit better quarterback play to maybe you know take a little of the burden off of him but I mean he did it last year with with pretty bad quarterbacks and like I said the coach is the coach seems to be kind of all in on him so I am too I really like Kroll it's funny I hear people try to discredit him by saying a lot of his points came on really big plays but I don't hear that about a J J I or anyone you know? else who has or, a big play. Exactly. They're, they're just looking for this reason. They're like, okay, well if you minus that 80 yard touchdown run, he had that game. He only averaged like such and such a carry. It's like, yeah, dude, he's trying. He's on the Browns, yeah. you know, and he's, he's making it happen. He, you know how many more points he would have had that drive? <laughs> yeah, you know how many more points he would have had on that very same drive if he had to just split up the work? He went and did it in one, and I I, I don't like that uh, that fantasy football metric. You know, yeah. negate this, and this is what you see. Well, what? Yeah, how can you do that? Yeah, we're expecting big plays from our next running back, uh, Leonard Fournette, is number fifteen. He was drafted by the Jaguars. Big Len, and uh, I think. I mean, everybody seems to think this is a great fit. I don't know. I mean, they got to show that they're committed to the to the running game before. Well, I'm actually, excited about it. It's already a crowded backfield with uh, Ivory and and Yeldon, and you got to think that Fournette's going to be the starter. But you know, like they're paying both of those guys a pretty decent amount of money, Ivory especially. So I'm not huge on Fournette. So I guess I'm counting on the two of you to sell me on him because you both have him a lot higher than I do. I can I can do my best to sell you on it now with with just a couple tidbits. Um, sneakily, the Jags were actually a top ten run offense last season. 
So, um, you know, if you're looking for production, <laughs> top 10. That's it, a nice spot to be. Take it, take it for what it's worth. They just took took the best running back and put him into a top 10 rushing offense. Secondly, if you had listened to the quarterback portion, um, Doug Marone jokingly, quotations around jokingly, said that he wants Blake Bortles to throw the ball zero times per game this year, which means a commitment to the run game in some fashion. And obviously, all, all that's going to spell well for Leonard Fournette, who's big-bodied, fast, and strong as an ox, which spells good for NFL running back. And I'm actually going to tell you that Chris Ivory had a pretty good year. Not when you look at it from you know uh, a season total standpoint, but the games that he actually was out there playing, no one started him because his health was in like such question the whole year. And uh, it was just tough to even think about playing him when the weeks he was available because it would be like unavailable, available, unavailable, available. But he actually did produce. And if you're going to compare him to Leonard Fournette in such a position where he's probably the healthiest he'll be as an NFL athlete, I think he can get it done. Well, I certainly hope so because he was so fun to watch in college. Yeah. Oh, man. And, that, yeah, how about that? How that didn't sell you at all? How no. about that one? Um, <laughs> Not when he played against Alabama. Okay. How about that one run he had? I honestly can't remember the team, but he comes around the outside and he's like getting towards the sideline and there's a shaky leg safety trying to tackle him. And he literally just plants him straight in the ground. No stiff arm, no nothing. Just running, plants him straight in the ground. It was just like, whoa, this guy's legit. Yeah, and that that safety's probably not in the NFL this year, but (laughs) we'll see what he can do. I think he can still uh, put the hurt on some people. Yeah. That run was very similar to the Beast Mode run. Who is our next running Which back? Which one? At number 16. Exactly. <laughs> Who's our next running back at number 16? Um, I hate Fournette. I hate Marshawn Lynch more this year. Yeah, you got to tell us why. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell – I'm not going to let you tell us to explain to you why Marshawn is good. I'd rather you tell us why you think he's going to do poorly. All right, so you're hoping for – We've got him at 16. You're hoping for a top 20 running back. Latavius Murray was the 13th ranked running back last year. Pretty good. But that's, I think, his ceiling is what Murray's numbers were last year. And here's what's going to take away from that. Number one, he was out of the league for a year. Number two, in the last year that he played, he played seven games. Was in and out of the lineup with injury issues the entire time. He's never had more than 400 receiving yards in a season. They want Rashard to be and Washington to be involved in the pass game and in the run game. And honestly, I feel like a lot of him wanting to go to the Oakland was the fact that they or or the Raiders wanting to sign him was because they're moving to Las Vegas. Oakland is really upset that they're leaving. So why not bring on the guy, the local son, have him in the lineup sell a couple more Oakland Raiders jerseys before you go to Vegas where he'll conveniently retire. And that's it. I just, I don't think he's going to be fully in his beast mode form. I don't think that he's going to get the lion's share of the work. If anything, I think it's going to be a three-way timeshare. And I just don't see beast mode having a running back to impact this year. I'm drafting him only as my third or fourth running back. I will not pick him to be my flex starter. I need to see it before I draft him. For me, um, I think... Or before the, I start him, I should say. The Latavius Murray comp is more of his floor. 
Um, I think Marshawn is probably one of the best goal line, red zone running backs that there is. And apart from Pete that, Carroll might have a <laughs> different opinion, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, Seahawks fans. Well, that's the reason he gets made fun of, right? Like he's got your opinion right yeah. now. So I think, I mean, he's great on any part of the field. Um, I don't think that he'll get fed and fed and fed and fed and fed. I agree that they're going to use the other guys probably on third down too. Um, in a standard league though, I think he has huge potential just like any goal line back does. And if you're going to score over double-digit touchdowns, you're good to go on my team. Additionally, they've got a uh, $2 million incentive for him if he rushes for 1,000 yards. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be trying that paper. very hard to do that. And the only other side of the coin I can see to that is kind of like uh, dangling the the food in front of him kind of thing. Yeah. So make him work real hard but not give him enough carries to get there if they're trying to, you know, right. bolster up their own backfield. Right. Keep him within arm's length of the Skittles. Exactly. Of <laughs> the Skittles. Perfect. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, I still think, regardless of whether he gets that extra two mil, he's a force to be reckoned with on the goal line. And even – you saw this last year. If you're playing full point PPR, LeGarrette Blunt was probably catching zero passes, almost certainly, and you were probably still starting him. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Our next guy, I think we're all hyped about. Maybe some of us a little more than others. Maybe. Our number 17 running back. The little engine that could. The boy. Danny Woodhead. Whew, Playing with good. Baltimore now. <laughs> he's going to have a four-game stretch where he is the guy. Which is Kenneth Dixon suspended. His whole career has been predicated on a glimmer of Just hope. give me a shot. Just give the kid a shot. And let him prove it. And he will. Four games. To own the red zone and to own the passing game in an offense that throws literally more than any offense in the league. More than any offense in the league. They lost a tight end and they lost a fullback who had 50 targets in Kyle Juszczyk. So who are they going to check and, down to? And I don't know the exact number on, on uh, Pitta, but I think he reached triple-digit targets last season or close to triple-digit targets. So the short, the short yardage targets – are going to go to the little man because he's always open in that area. And if you watch them play closely in San Diego like I did because I've been a Danny Woodhead owner for years now, he gets it done in the red zone. It may not make sense to you because he's not big, but he finds those little crevices so he can actually take a, a carry from the two and get into the end zone like at regularity. Not only that, he's great out of the backfield in like a like a play action type of boot play where he rolls to the flank, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you can tell by the excitement in my voice, I'm all in on Danny Woodhead again. I mean, I, I really am all in on Danny Woodhead. And I just don't think even when Dixon comes back that it will affect too much. The, the ball's already going to be in motion, in my opinion, where, okay, and even if you pull Dixon in and you say, you know, he's going to be your first down guy, Okay, if he gets a first down carry and he loses three yards, Danny Woodhead's coming in, they're getting a shotgun and throwing like they always do. So I think that Woodhead is going to kind of set his own precedent like he always has. And not to mention they lost a lot of targets out there just between um, Steve Smith even. Yeah. And Danny Woodhead, we know, is a viable receiving option. I mean, I I could really go on for days about Danny Woodhead. He's been trusted by two of the 
better quarterbacks of our generation and Tom Brady and Philip Rivers like immensely in oh, the yeah. time that he spent with those two quarterbacks. Yeah, he was used like crazy in the Super Bowl yeah. with the Patriots. Yep, exactly. Exactly. All righty. Moving on now to number 18, Carlos Hyde. A lot of speculation about how people don't think he fits in with Kyle Shanahan, but in my opinion, I've got him higher than anybody because he's produced already. He's had a couple of pretty good years on really bad teams. And the only guys behind him are, are Tim Hightower, who's in his 30s, and rookies. So something's not adding up here. And even if it's just, even if he does end up getting cut into by Joe Williams or Tim Hightower, I think there's still a viable spot for him as the lead back. It's not like he's like, he, this is his third year in the league. He's 24 years old. I, I think he'll be able to figure it out. He's had a tough time staying healthy, and that gives me a tough time picking him, truthfully. But uh, week one, for whatever reason, he seems to own the show. Week one, two years ago, he went crazy. Yeah, week I remember one that. last year, he went Four crazy. Four touchdowns yeah. in week one in his Yeah, career. so yeah. if you're going to um, play FanDuel week one, I don't <laughs> Maybe know. Maybe someone to look at. There's, a, there's crazier there's options. Throw. There's crazier options than Carlos Hyde. And for me, I think that um, there will be an upgrade in their offense as a whole and um, with the new coaching. And I think that will lead to a lot of opportunity for him. You know, he's not... He's maybe not Devontae Freeman, and he's maybe not even Tevin Coleman, but he's the guy there, and I think he gets a lot of the work. Definitely. Moving on now to number 19. This is a guy who made the most of an opportunity. Um, maybe not the best season, but he definitely earned his spot as his new number one running back status for the Chiefs. It's Spencer Ware. This is a guy I really liked. He came out, he stormed out of the gate and played so well when Charles first went down or stayed down. And then Charles came back and he couldn't, he had the complications. So it was Ware's job for basically the entire season. And I thought he did a really good job with it. He proved he could run, he proved he could catch. You know, they're going to figure out a way to better use his skill set because a lot of that team was set up expecting Jamal Charles to be fully back from his ACL recovery. Right. So now that they can plan for Spencer Ware, I think he's going to get a better opportunity to show what makes him a good running back. The only thing for me is that I like Ware too. Obviously, we have him rated as as a RB two. Um, Tyreek Hill, I think, is going to get more carries than he did last year, and I think that they're going to want to use him in situations that they think they can score touchdowns. Just in general, because he's so dynamic, that I think that that could take away from Ware. And they also drafted um, Hunt pretty early, and Ware kind of underwhelmed toward the end of the year. So I think that made me pull back on him a little bit. But if, like like Don said, if he comes out and, and he runs like he did at the beginning of last year, I think he runs away with the show and has another good year. I agree. Coming in at number 20 now, we're going to try to move a little bit quicker because we do have a lot more running backs that we want to get to than maybe our quarterbacks. So coming in at number 20, Bilal Powell, the current running back two on the Jets, we didn't even really rank Forte. Because that's how much we believe in in Bilal Powell. I think he's a I think he's a steal in PPR. I really do. He showed how good of a receiver he was last year, and I don't know. I personally believe that Matt Forte won't make it through the season on the Jets team. I think he may get cut or bought out or something like that. It just doesn't make sense why he's still there and the other guys aren't. Exactly. And it and I think it leads to a lot of work for Powell, and he showed his catching prowess. So why not? 
I don't know. You just see the way things went last year. It was really haphazard on who was getting how many carries and when. Forte was carrying the ball like crazy in the beginning, and then all of a sudden he wasn't, then he was again. So for me, it's just a backfield that as long as they're both there, I'm not dying to get into it, but I I do believe uh, Bala Powell comes out the the victor. He's the alpha. Now. For now. Our second interesting rookie, uh, certainly with an interesting landing spot, maybe not one that, certainly not one that I thought he would land, but uh, number 21, we've got Christian McCaffrey, the rookie for the Panthers. New toy for Cam to play with. You got to think he'll catch some passes. I think he's underrated as a runner. What do we think? I think that, uh, you know, the, the Panthers run a power running scheme, and it's all going to come down to can he make those power running scheme carries. I think that he will, and that's why I had him ranked higher than everybody else. Um, I think that he'll be able to do that uh, combined with using receiving ability in a receiver that Cam Newton has never had in his career will not only help Cam, but it will also continue to increase the value of McCaffrey. I have him lowest just because of the way that offense is in its current state. Um, Right now, they don't have much success passing to running backs or just in short passes in general. So Cam Newton's ratings on those kind of plays are actually bottom of the league, like with Jared Goff. The only saving grace is I think that Christian McCaffrey will bail him out but I just don't want to know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to pay the price of admission to find out. Yeah. His ADP is going to be very interesting throughout the summer. You know, and, and we're really getting into the big mock draft season starting in July. So I'm, I'm going to be, and, and we're going to be talking about this a lot. But um, one of the things I'm that um, you know, me and Tom had spoken about yeah. off the air was that McCaffrey kind of has this feel of a guy that even if you pick him. Like, make sure you listen to the guy that when you pick him goes, oh, man, I really wanted him. Because I feel as though even if it the tide starts turning against him early in the year, you can trade him kind of quick with someone who's still a believer. And I, I think there's a shot because the Panthers don't have Ted Ginn anymore. There's a shot he returns punts for them. Yeah. And we know he's effective. He was effect- very effective in that area in college, too. If you get credit for uh, special teams yardage, obviously. That's a big plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge one. Number 22, we've got Ty Montgomery. He started as the Packers' number four wide receiver and finished the season as their number one running back. <laughs> you know, normal stuff. <laughs> what a long, strange trip it's yeah. been. Um, and now, you know, it's funny because after offseason moves, I don't think any player who didn't change teams improved their fantasy status more than Ty Montgomery because everybody was like, ooh, the Packers are probably going to make a move. Ooh, maybe the Packers sign Adrian Peterson. Maybe the Packers draft Christian McCaffrey. Maybe the Packers, you know, do all draft this, this and that. Cook. They didn't do any of that. No. They said, we got Ty. He's going to get this figured out. And we, we talked about this when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. The Packers have now learned and are comfortable with the fact that they can send Aaron Rodgers back there 40 times a game and have him make 40 throws a game and they – Feel confident they can win. Ty Montgomery is going to get better as a pass blocker. We know he can catch passes because he was a wide receiver. And we know now that he can do that dirty work between the tackles. This is a guy I'm targeting as, you know, he's the ultimate flex guy. Yeah, I'm actually, sure he's not going to You have, actually have him as a 12-man league RB1. I do. Yeah, I have him at 12. That's, a, that's pretty high for me. Just because um, I know they didn't get any big ticket additions but they did draft some running backs and they're just a, a homegrown organization so 
what makes its way to the field does start out in the draft for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quickly that process is going to go, and I don't think Ty Montgomery is going to be usurped right away. But, you know, I have my concerns. His running get- style is in such good complement with their offense, like Don said, that I think that he's going to be very effective. Though. Yeah, to own a piece of the offense, I'd rather have just pretty much any receiver on the Packers. You know? Yeah. It's just they're more likely to get it done for me. Yeah. Moving on now to the old starting running back from the Packers. Everybody was expecting a big Eddie Lacy breakout last year. Unfortunately, he got hurt and never made it back on the field. Uh, now he's with the Seahawks, who needed a bell cow. And if he can be that for them, then they got a steal. And you'll get a steal with Eddie Lacy if you can take if he does that, because his ADP has not been too high. No, it hasn't, especially for someone who used to be the consensus number one overall pick just a few yeah, short years ago. Yeah, a couple years, years ago, ago, he was surefire first-rounder. Yeah, and he also disappointed in that uh, campaign. It, it's a shame they have C.J. Procise, such a talented uh, pass catcher, because Eddie Lacy was actually pretty good at it. Yeah, he was. With, playing with Aaron Rodgers. So I just see him sort of getting pigeonholed into more of the uh, first and second down runner and not being able to... F- showcases full set of skills hopefully he keeps the weight down he's earning a lot of money in the offseason about that yeah but um you know i'm not crazy about him i've done a bunch of mock drafts i don't even think i've taken him once but it i'm not in on him at all i i don't really i just don't really see him he's not going to run every down and to be honest, I don't think that the Seahawks will have as long a leash as the as the Packers did, where they kept trying even though he was just not effective last year. Yeah, this is the team that waved Christian Michael or Christian Michael, however you want to say it, right in the, out of nowhere. After and he had a couple of decent games, some great games. So, and then they needed him when Procise went down, but like they didn't think twice. Right, so. and and you know, obviously, you bring up Procise, who I personally love this season, but they also have Thomas Rawls too. So even if Eddie Lacy is struggling between the tackles, it's not like they can be like, oh, well, we have to stick with him because Procise is our smaller back. We still have Thomas Rawls, who we can bring in, who runs, if you remember, two years ago, hard, hard and angry. And, you know, if Eddie Lacy starts, you know, the snowball effect could start rolling quick on him, in my opinion. Number 24, we've got Theo Riddick. He was awesome early on in the year catching a ton of passes he was getting carries he was being used in the red zone had some injury issues both of his wrists were troubles and so there is an injury risk but when he's right he is really one of the essential pieces of that Lions offense I agree Um, and like I mentioned in the quarterbacks episode they use him so often and so effectively in the last 10 years he's actually had two of the so in the last decade um, he's a two-time top 10 finisher on yards per route uh, receiving. As a running back? As a running back. Okay. So, like, no one is in the same category as him right now. Like, yeah. no one has done that as many times. He's usually, by the end of the season, third, fourth most targeted running back. He's dealt with some injuries in the past, even last year. And uh, I just think when you're looking at, like, a PPR – fill up your lineup kind of guy, especially full point, you know this guy's going to get you those points. So, For me, the only thing that I really have to say about Riddick is if you believe that the 
Lions games are going to go in any semblance to what they were last year where they're always coming from behind, then pick Theo Riddick with confidence. Yep. Coming up, we've got our third rookie, and this one wasn't a first-round pick. I believe the Bengals took Joe Mixon in either the second or the third round, and he could end up being the guy. He's not there yet. We know that. But he could be the guy, and because of that potential alone, he's a guy I'm targeting as a late-round stash as my third or fourth running back. Yeah, the team itself had to really put their neck out there, and by doing so, drafting such a controversial player with a relatively high pick, they've essentially got to put their money where their mouth is and use him. The Bengals don't typically use a lot of rookies right out of the gate, um, that might sound weird because that's sort of how Gio and Jeremy Hill got their starts, but that was through injury. Right. So they, I think they just have to. I yep. mean, in comparison to you guys, I buried him. And um, I don't know. I just don't – I don't even really – I mean, obviously I care about what he did, but it's not – that didn't make my ranking change. I think that Gio Bernard is a very good running back. All around, he can carry the ball, and he's he's great out of the backfield receiving, obviously. And I think um, Jeremy the King Hill is very serviceable, too. So Joe Mixon is in there as part of a three-headed monster, I think, at best. And like you said, as a rookie, I don't think he's going to get as many reps. And, you know, maybe that rookie fumble or two just puts him on the pine. Yeah, we're not going to see it week one, I don't believe. And I think uh, Gio is actually struggling to get back to 100%. So it could be interesting if he doesn't. It might be Jeremy Hill and him replacing Geo instead of how everyone's thinking he's replacing Jeremy Hill. Right. Yeah. So coming in at number 25 now, we've got Tevin Coleman. And we talked about him a little bit when we talked about Devontae Freeman. There's room for both of these guys in that offense. So especially where we have him ranked as a middle-of-the-road running back three, I think that's great value for him. I think he's a guy that you can start whether Freeman's injured or not if you need a bye week guy. And Coleman can definitely give you, you know, a double digit week at any time. He's that good of a player. He's that big of a threat. Yeah, he was really um, an RB1 until he started uh, sitting games out due to the sickle cell tray and whatever he was dealing with. You see him play that big game up in Denver where they were using him as a weapon a true true weapon he dominated that game yeah and that's kind of where you realize that the team can sustain both running backs Mm -hmm. if i can't get devonta freeman and maybe even if i do get devonta freeman it's still not a bad idea to grab him yeah you know i would say that if i'm drafting devonta freeman i'm probably gonna pick tevin coleman even if I have to play him as a flex and start both of them, I still think you do that with confidence this year. It worked out great last year for anyone who may have had it, and I don't see any reason for his workload to change this year. I don't. A guy whose workload's definitely going to change. First, we thought it was going to be a lot. Now it's kind of been tempered. But uh, number twenty-eight, or sorry, number twenty-six, we've got Kenneth Dixon, who was looking like he was going to get the lion's share of the work for the Ravens, but now it looks like he's probably, he's going to be out for four games. So this isn't really a guy I'm targeting. What are you guys, what are you guys making of, um, of Kenneth Dixon right now? Well, like I said, uh, he's suspended. So that's the biggest problem with me. The only suspended guy that I would even consider targeting truthfully is Doug Martin. 
and especially just because it's so easy to get Jaquiz Rogers as well. But for me, give me Danny Woodhead. Yeah, I, I think Woodhead's definitely the guy to own from the Ravens. Yeah, but Dixon ran the ball pretty well last year and caught the ball pretty well last year. I think that there's a role for him when, when Woodhead comes back. But, or I'm sorry, when he comes back um, in conjunction with Woodhead. But he's going to have to run well. And I think that's why we probably have him lower than a lot of people do. Yeah. Up next, we've got the guy who's going to start for the Giants, whatever that means. Um, it's Paul Perkins. Yeah, in my notes, I actually have feature back in quotes. I'm doing air <laughs> quotes right now, not like you can see it. Um, but they've said that so many times before. I just don't want to get burned by the Giants. Yeah. Coach speak again. Brandon um, Jacobs, Rashad, Rashad Jennings, Jennings, blah, 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 blah. Andre Williams. I'm drinking the Perkins Kool-Aid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll admit it. I think he's going to be good this year. I, I really thought when I watched them play last year, obviously we're from the Northeast, so we see a lot of Giants games and are around a lot of Giants fans. So I paid attention to him, and I thought he ran really well. He actually didn't score a single touchdown last year, and I think that that will change in kind of a big way this year. I don't Melvin think it'll Gordon. be. Yeah. You know, they, they may be very comparable this year. They and um, I think that he, the Giants believe that he's an all-around back and very complete. So I think that that's going to lead to him having a good year. At number 28? Yeah, sorry. Um, Next up, we've got James White. My Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three touchdowns, including the game winner. He ran two in and caught one. Uh, the Patriots were using him a ton, even before they were in comeback mode. And it's a very crowded backfield. We think Gillisley's going to get a lot of work in the red zone. We think Burkhead's going to have some sort of a role, possibly on third down. But I still think James White is the most talented and the most dynamic running back in the Patriots' backfield. So. If I can take a if I can take a shot with him, I'm taking a shot with him before anybody else in New England. You guys are pretty high on him. I, for the most part, buried him. I just think we're going back to the days of old where you don't know what New England's going to do at the running back position, and I'm not a fan. Having been a longtime Shane Vereen owner in the past when he was there, I'm just not up for the headache this year. Yeah. Um. I, I think that James White, it's a muddled backfield where there's not a lot of known from the Patriots' perspective. I mean, obviously they played against Gillisley last season, so maybe could have got some know-how on him. But they let LeGarrette Blunt, the touchdown leader, walk, and they extended James White. So to me, that seems like we're moving on from LeGarrette Blunt and we're moving to James White. It's hard to get inside the mind of a Bill Belichick. But to me, if there's any running back that you're that I'm even drafting from the Patriots, it's James White. Coming up next, we've got a guy, another guy who switched teams. Uh, at number thirty, we've got Latavius Murray. He's a Viking now. It's a very crowded backfield. I have my concerns. He's certainly not a guy I'm targeting a lot, but he did perform pretty well in Oakland. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he was good. He was the beneficiary of a really good offensive line. And now he's going somewhere that's not so much the same. He's got the company of uh, Dalvin Cook, the rookie. That's right. But we'll see what happens out there. I know Scott brought this up earlier. I don't want to steal the point Go from ahead, you. it's fine. But, uh, you know, they have a system where they've had a goal line back and a regular right. back. So it's not unreasonable to think that Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook – exist 
So Matt Asiata actually ranked 11th in red zone attempts last year. So if you see anything into that, Latavius Murray is obviously a clear upgrade from Matt Asiata. So I think that he gets that red zone, big body type of back role. And I think he scores a lot of touchdowns. I had a lot of shares of Latavius last year. So this is definitely informing my opinion of him. But I just feel like he's so he was so underrated. And he deserves so much more than being in that crowded backfield in Minnesota. But anyway, another crowded backfield. But this guy has given you so much value. And then there's been other times where he hasn't. So that's kind of why he's at the back end of our list. Number 31, we've got CJ Anderson. Yeah, we really might be a little low on him. But right now, it's just not a attractive situation. Which kind of has like been his whole story. He's never... I can name like three different running backs who stole carries from him last year alone. Yeah, but you know, he's still a a a viable producer, you know, and especially if he's going this late in drafts, it it could be someone that I wind up taking. I still have the looming fear of Charles. For some reason in my mind, I uh I don't think that Charles is done and from what we've seen from him was, you know, the greatest yards per carry running back in the history of the NFL. So with that in your backfield too, um you know, it's it's hard for me to to put a lot of praise on CJ Anderson, but like Don said, he's had he's had some big games. Number thirty two. He stole the Washington backfield last year, and it's still pretty crowded, but you never know. And especially down at number thirty two. But Rob Kelly gave a lot of people some hope in their championship games in fantasy this year. Um, can he do it again this year, I think is the big question. The team has already said they're going with the hot hand at running back, which seems like Ouch. bad news for Rob Kelly, but it was actually exactly that that brought him to where he was. That's right. So all he has to do is fend off one more person, and I think his role will be a little more secure. Because of that news and because of them drafting Samaj P. Ryan, he's going a lot later in drafts, and I think he could wind up being one of the better value picks of the entire draft. The reason why he played a lot last year is because he ran consistently and he didn't fumble. If he doesn't do that again, he's going to have fantasy value, a lot of it. Another guy who it's crowded, but it's only two people, and one of the other guys happens to be a big-time legend. Um, For number 33, we've got Mark Ingram. And I think we're putting him ahead of Adrian Peterson for now just because he has been in the New Orleans offense. But at this point, I guess we kind of got to just talk about Ingram. Yeah, um... It seems like the Saints don't really like him last year as an Ingram owner, and I'm sure there's plenty of you out there. It was really frustrating to try to navigate that path. You know, start him, he fumbles, and they, they keep him out the entire game. He gives you a negative two spot. Uh, so for me, I've actually I've got Adrian Peterson above him. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, I have them very closely ranked, basically because I didn't know how to rank them, but also because the Saints um, – you know, operate well with two running backs. And I think that they'll both um, continue to uh, operate as, you know, they're going to work in tandem uh, with, I think, really AP probably being the, the fantasy nod where Ingram may even get more snaps, but the guy you're going to want in fantasy is going to be Adrian Peterson. Coming in now at number 34, another guy who's four, who has a four-game suspension looming, also was a very mysterious benching in week 16 so i'm sure he left a lot of he left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths uh it's doug martin 
Yeah, and they were tough playing, guy to rank. I think they were playing the Saints too. Yep. So uh, a, a matchup a lot of people were waiting for. I actually almost traded for him for that reason. I'm happy it never worked out. But I, I like where he's going, even with the suspension, just because it's – and I did mention this already. It's so easy to get him and Jaquiz Rogers, And you're not really spending such a high pick on either one, and you're shoring up the position for the entire year as far as I'm concerned. One of the things that, that um, I really liked that we had spoken about previously is maybe combining Woodhead and Doug Martin – because Woodhead seems to be the feature for the first four weeks, and although he's not on a different team, you get that guy who has that potential RB2, RB1 talent. And then maybe if you believe that Dixon's going to come in and eat too much into Woodhead's w- workload, you take Doug Martin, too, who by all accounts in camp, has they've been saying, is you know as ready as he's ever been and comes in with four games to stay fresh. It's definitely an interesting strategy. And finally, at number 35... We've got Adrian Peterson, but we're not just going to talk about Adrian Peterson because one of us has identified Adrian Peterson for a segment that we love on this show. We're talking about our plum picks. And boy, can I feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. (laughs) When you look at Adrian Peterson, obviously when you're thinking about him, you think of one of the best running backs to ever play the game. That's right. And now we're talking about him basically going unranked in this segment. Like I said before, the Saints hate Mark Ingram. Sean Payton, literally, I don't know what his problem is. He's like, oh, Tim Hightower is running so well, we had to keep him in. He's averaging like 3.4 I don't know what he was watching. I mean, I really don't get it. And Hightower got 133 attempts to Mark Ingram's 205. If you don't think Adrian Peterson can close the gap a little bit closer – then I don't know. You're then you nuts. don't realize how good Adrian Peterson. He is. had four touchdowns and 750 all-purpose yards. If you're going this far back and you're taking such a guy or a guy with such a skill set, he's not the most talented receiver, sure. And they have Alvin Kamara, they have Mark Ingram to do that. But he is a talented runner, and he's come back from injury. He's done it all, and I think for where he's going in drafts, I can just feel it in my plums, deep down. Deep down. You know, one of the things that I think, too, is something to look out for is, are the Saints going to be a playoff contender? You know, a different team basically every year comes from the NFC South to make it. And I think as they maybe get closer to the playoffs, they're going to give Adrian Peterson more carries because, you know, you can't leave the horse in the stable for too long. So, Scott, who's your plum pick for running backs? So, my plum pick that I can feel deep down in my plums is CJ Procise from the Seattle Seahawks. Pretty unproven last year, but when given his opportunity, really shined. Had a monster game against New England um, when they actually beat New England last year. Um, And to me, you know, I'm in a keeper league, and he's a guy that I'm really looking at as a potential keeper candidate going towards next year because, as you heard earlier, I just just really don't believe in Lacey. Rawls, as eh... And then, you know, I'm just not too big on Rawls. But Procise, you know, he's shown the capability. And like we said in our quarterback segment, um, with them going to more of a passing attack, I think that leads to him getting more exposure on the field. And then he show, he shines through. And next thing you know, he's he's the number one back. He's got a role carved out and a path to that. Right. Sure. He's got a path to greatness. The dominoes are lined up. He just needs to give it that little push. That's right. right. I think you're right. 
Um, what are you? Uh, what are you thinking over there, Donald? In my plums, I know. You know that Jamal Charles is going to be the highest scoring fantasy football running back in Denver this year. Okay. I think he. <laughs> I'm glad you said in Denver. <laughs> I think he knows. I think they know how dynamic a talent he is. I think they wouldn't have signed him if they didn't think he was going to be able to whip, take the the pounding. I think they'll use him more in the passing game because we know C.J. Anderson just doesn't really give them that aspect in there. And I just think that he is going to be coming out kind of like with my Carson Palmer plum pick and quarterbacks. I just think he's due for that one last great year where he shows you just what a unique and unforgettable talent he was. This is a Hall of Fame running back we're talking about. Not a lot of people understand that, but Jamal Charles is really going to cement his legacy, I think, in Denver. You know, it's I'm really excited. Very interesting that two of our plum picks are like two of the best running backs we've seen over the past couple years, and guys who maybe were ranked one, two in the overall running back rankings as as early as two years ago. Wild, crazy. It's it's such a strange position, especially with with aging. But um, but yeah, so that's our those are our top thirty five running backs, and also our plum picks for who we think are going to be the most surprising running backs of the fantasy season. Anything, Tom and Scott, that you guys want to add before we uh, wrap everything up from the running back position? Or one last thing for me is one of the most important parts and aspects of the running back position is the waiver wire. So. If you have a team, I remember last year, Tom had a team that he drafted where his running backs were just absolutely nuked by like week one, and he won the championship in that league. So that doesn't, just because your running backs may not be short away right at the beginning of the season, it's a position that you don't give up on. It's very, it's a very fluid position. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) I'm a little choked up. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us at Run Up the Score. Those were our running back rankings. Please, please, please do us a big favor. Give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribing as well. And remember, if you give us a fantasy football-related question, no matter how many we get, we are going to answer every single question in our five-star reviews uh, before the end of the summer. So if you help us out, we'll definitely do our best to help you out. And, and until, uh, oh. Twitter. Yes, Twitter. At RutzFF. You can follow us. You can follow Don at Why So Serious. You can follow me at HillierFF. And you can follow Scott at WagsFF. Yes. We post funny things. I'll see you on the Twitter sphere. So we'll see you next time. Until then, keep scoring.